Welcome to Tech Insights from Infotech Research Group, the podcast that cuts through all the noise and focuses on what really matters for technology leaders. I'm your host, Brian Jackson. Did you catch last week's episode with Cinnamon Clark? If you missed it, I really recommend it. Cinnamon had some great advice about how to have awkward conversations at work. I'm talking about conversations around race and around stereotypes that can pervade our working relationships. With February being Black History Month, we're continuing that sort of conversation. Today, we're going to focus on what companies need to do to improve their ability to hire people of color and then retain them. Like so many things, good diversity practices are driven from the top of the organization. You need executives to be open to doing things differently, to working with different types of people. Unfortunately, the view of many leaders doesn't match the reality of the situation. The tech sector severely lacks a diverse workforce. Yet 68% of leaders feel like they are already creating inclusive environments and employees can be themselves and raise concerns and innovate without fear of failure. But if you ask their employees if they agree, well, only 36% of them do. So here to talk with me today about why leaders are wrong about doing enough on recruiting and retaining people of color and to share Infotech's approach on the hiring part of the process, I have two of our analysts joining me. Allison Straker is a research director on our CIO practice team. Welcome, Allison. Hi. And Ugbad Farah is also a senior research analyst with our team. Welcome, Ugbad. Hello. Okay, so why don't we start with sort of an explanation of what inspired you two to collaborate on this research together? Yeah, um, I think a really big catalyst were were the the events of racial injustice last year. Um, we all know uh, what happened with with the murder of George Floyd and and how that affected um, Black employees uh, across many organizations. Um, so that's not different for myself. Um, there was that sense of sort of feeling alone, maybe a a little bit unengaged, and and um, not finding people to have that conversation with who, who maybe knew exactly what you were going through. So um, finding Allison within our organization, we sort of came together and, and thought we could really make a difference in the space um, and, and talk about the the issues and the lack of diversity uh, in IT. Exactly. And like mm-hmm. Unbed, you know, I had the same, you know, kind of isolated, alone kind of feeling and realized that within IT, you know, that's that's something that a lot of people would experience because there isn't always a lot of representation um, in IT organizations. And so we felt that, you know, based on our lived experience, based on the network that we had and the contacts and the, the information that we knew that was out there, we thought that there was something that could be done to make a difference. Okay, great. That's interesting to hear that sort of inspiration. I mean, that was just such a flashpoint moment. And I think um, it affected everyone who's sort of paying attention to it. And, uh, you know, it obviously spurred such a reaction from so many people. And I'm glad, you know, you found a way to, to sort of channel that into this sort of really positive um, effect, right? Because now we have a way to um, t- help other companies say, uh, look, this is a problem on a societal level. And we there's a lot of work we have to do to uh, address it. So uh, when we're talking about companies 
hiring a diver from, from a diverse talent pool. I wonder what, what do you see for the companies that are doing it and trying to do it? What is motivating them to do it? What are, what, what are the benefits they're seeing? Mm -hmm. So there are likely, there are really three main motivators. Um, Improving their company culture is a big one. So DEI is is, is huge uh, in, in, in a lot of companies right now, and especially tech. Uh, people are spending more and more time at work, um, and companies are, are doing work. Um, they're spending a lot of time at home right now, but um, more time doing work. And companies are realizing that the culture is really important. And it, it's so important in tech, especially where that bro culture of predominantly white males has long been the norm. Um, and people are finding that that might be a barrier of hiring diverse talent. The second one is improving company performance. Companies that are more diverse earn more through innovation and revenue. And, and a lot of the research shows that. And you'll find that in our research as well. Um, it's just better for business. It's, it's a good business decision. And then the last one really is to better represent their customers, um, you get better products, better services. You'll have more out of the box thinking with with diverse teams. Um, and, and a really interesting and important one is having people in the room that can speak to a portion of the population and how they might react to a product or service. We've all seen some of these big companies have um, huge PR scandals um, where it was obvious that they didn't have any um, diverse uh, people in the room that probably could have said, you know what, that's probably not a good idea. So uh, those three things are really what's driving companies, improving company culture, improving the performance of the company and uh, and better representing their customers. Right. And, um, you know, for, for those motivators, uh, do you think those are good motivators, uh, good reasons to want to have a diverse workforce? Yeah, I think so. I think it's hitting all the points. Uh, your company culture is talking about your your employees and, and giving them a great experience. Um, your company performance is about your business and and uh, your your business outcomes, which which we can't ignore, and that's that's a huge part of our research as well. And then obviously your customers is is who who you're doing everything else for. Yeah, that second one was the most interesting to me because um, you know if you hear this message and you're thinking, well, having a diverse talent um, pool. Uh, it, it, working for you, it's actually better for your business, right? The, the statistics show uh, you're going to be better off in terms of, of your performance. But then I'm thinking, well, shouldn't we want people to do this not to make more money, but you know, to for the goal, the goal in itself to be more diverse is, is a pretty worthy goal too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't think by those three points that we're really saying discount any one of them. I think all three are important. Um, yeah. You do want to have that company culture that people feel welcome and they feel like they belong. Um, but ultimately, you're at a business. Um, you're trying to contribute something. You're trying to create better products. And so your performance is important. Your stakeholders are looking for your company to perform. And yeah. so I, I think you can't really discount any one of them. But I do agree that you do have to do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, okay. But it impacts you in so many ways. Okay. Good. Good to know that. And you know, while we are, are talking about this problem and the inequality that exists in the tech sector, especially for employment, um, it, it's you know, I I want to point out that um, it's not like nobody has done this well before. And you have a case study in your research about Pinterest. Uh, it was among the first tech companies to publicly launch a recruitment effort to improve diversity in their workforce. And I wonder what we can learn from it. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Pinterest, um, they were sort of yeah pioneers in the space. Um, and I think the main thing that companies can learn is, is you have to set goals. You can't measure or monitor what you don't track. Um, so what Pinterest did is they, they set a target, they set a goal, and they circled back around to see if they actually met those targets um, and, and, and did things to be able to actually uh, meet them. So and they also had different strategic programs for different for different ethnic groups. So what Pintus realized early was that not everybody's experience is the same, and and you'll find that in our research as well. You might have to you might have to have sorry different um, tactics for for different ethnicities. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing to keep in mind as well is with diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, you want to look at you. The first step is really to make sure that you've got a diverse workforce. But the equity and inclusion is extremely important as well. And so Pinterest, unfortunately, made the mistake of maybe not focusing as much as they should have on that. And so they actually had a case in 2019 where two of their Black female employees essentially were doing the same kind of work as one of their white, uh, white male uh, colleagues, their boss, but they partnered together. And there was a huge discrepancy in their grade levels and so their pay and their benefits. There was a huge discrepancy in, in that, even though they were essentially doing the same kind of work. Right. And so women left Pinterest and uh, consulted their lawyers. And, you know, after a lot of back and forth, Pinterest realized and acknowledged that they still have work to do in this area. So it's, it's important to look at your diversity and making sure that your numbers are up so that you have that opportunity for people to, you know, to improve your culture, for people to start to feel like they belong. But you really have to do the work. We talked about culture earlier to make sure that people do feel like they do belong and that they want to stay and that they do have things like pay equity. All right. Good point is that, um, you know, once you've been able to hire a diverse workforce, you want to make sure that uh, there's equity uh, once they're on board and that you're treating your employees the same uh, and that uh, your diversity is um, actually uh, a strength, not not something that's creating divisions in your workforce. So uh, you have to get the whole picture right. Yep. Yep. You want to make sure that people do feel like, yes, this is a place I want to come to and stay to. Part of hiring is making sure that, um, you know, you're in that position that people want to. When you hear of people want to come and stay there, when you hear of legal action against a company, uh, especially for, you know, discrimination kinds of purposes, it's not really incentive for people to join that organization. Indeed. And uh, last week when I was talking to Cinnamon, you know, there's this excuse that companies use when it comes to hiring a diverse workforce and they say things like oh uh, we just can't find the diverse candidates out there you know uh, for the particular skill set we need it's just too hard to track those people down and you address this problem in your report so tell me uh, how you approach um, busting that sort of excuse yeah, no, we are, we definitely are hearing this a lot, and I think maybe most famously recently from uh, the Wells Fargo CEO, who who had put out a statement that said there's not enough black talent. Um, basically, we we'd like to hire um, a diverse people or, or more black employees, but there just isn't enough talent. Um, and, and Brian, that's simply just not the case. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of research out there, and in our research as well, in terms of statistics of of the pool. Um, but what I would say to companies that say they don't have 
that they can't find any is what are you trying to do to find them? We kind of have to be realistic here. And the truth of the matter is co uh, companies often are not um, are not doing what they can. And the problems are that they're unwilling to deviate from their current um, and existing re recruiting practices. And they have no metrics tied to hiring diverse talent. Um, so what that results in is recruiters are not incentivized to focus on diversity. Um, so what I say is you wouldn't leave your other business goals up to chance. You have metrics and targets. So why aren't you doing that with with your hiring processes? Right. Yeah. I mean, um, great points. And and you're right that uh, that saying that is just sort of saying like, well, we're not really trying. We're, we're not looking in the right places. Like. Um, if you're saying the problem is we, we can't find these people, maybe you have to look not uh, externally, but internally on, on what you're really doing to try and make that effort. And sometimes, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it involves uh, finding some non-traditional sources to uh, to hire people. Like you have to look in places that uh, perhaps you haven't previously. And you have some great examples. So uh, you can share them with us here. Yeah, and well, one thing I want to touch on is you just actually started to to talk about looking internally. Um, you know, one of the things when a lot of organizations they try to look at their talent pool and and try to diversify their pool, and a lot of times they look externally, which is important, which you do need to do in order to augment your numbers for sure. But you should also be looking, and especially when it comes to promotional or, or other growth opportunities for your employee, look at your existing pool and see what you can do to support them. Look at their career goals um, to support them so that they can advance, so that you do have um, you know, a pool of, of employees at different levels within the organization, again, to be more attractive to, um, to new employees. But when you are looking externally, there are a ton of different employment agencies and partnerships that you can make with different communities to better support um, bringing in a diverse pool of, of applicants. So the Black Professionals um, Tech and Technology Network, they're a great network. They're North American. They have a, a, a whole big number of people. I can't remember. I think it was like 20,000 people uh, as part of their network today, again, North America wide. And those are people who are in technology. So, um, you know, to Ugbed's point earlier about pipeline, there are a lot of people who are part of that. There's no excuse to say that there aren't enough people within that talent pipeline. Um, yeah, and I'll go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say there are other agencies as well that will meet mm -hmm. the needs of other communities, whether it's um, Aboriginal employment agencies, um, whether you're looking at, you know, Hispanic or Latinx communities, there are or even training schools. Um, I remember within my last organization, there was a school that basically helped to connect new grads to technology um, organizations that they would help to train up those new grads so that they'd have that the technology organizations would find attractive and then gave them essentially internships so that those programs could turn into full-time employment. And so now that organization has access to somebody um, who now has the skills that are required within that role. So it's not a matter of just relying on people you know, your yep. existing employee network, because then you just end up uh, you know, getting people who are just like you. Exactly. And this is 
great that there's these organizations out there that specifically are trying to address these problems. And you raised the Black Professionals in Tech Network there. And I just wanted to talk about them uh, in particular for a moment because um, I was reading just yesterday on uh, the Globe and Mail. And this story was written by Josh O'Kane and uh, BPTN. They announced a partnership with Royal Bank of Canada on a $4.5 million program that will help more than 1,000 black business and tech professionals under the age of 30 find work in uh, Canadian companies over the next three years. Um, so what can you tell companies about working with groups like that one? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And basically, some of the things you want to know, just like you're you're associating with any other partner, what is their track record? Um, what's their network like? Like I mentioned, BPTN has a huge network of, you know, 20,000 plus people. You want to know what kind of network they have. What demographic do they target? And does that demographic uh, help to fit the need that you have within your organization? And keep in mind as well that the demographic of one company in one country may differ from another co company in another country based on the demographics that they're all trying to mm -hmm. um, to attract. So you do want to do some research on the organization, but again, there are so many different organizations, reputable, really useful organizations that you can partner with to improve your own demographic and help to get you your company started on that cultural transformation on that path. Okay, good advice. And, um, you know, there's two sort of sides of this hiring equation. Like, you have to look in the right places and make sure you're making that effort to go to find these communities that uh, can provide that diverse talent pool. But you also have to make sure that your company looks like a place that they want to come and work. And you talk about this concept in your research of the employee value proposition. And basically, this is sort of the answer to the question of why would anyone want to come and work for you anyway? I mean, it has to go two ways, right? You don't just get to go out and choose anybody that will come and work for your company. They have to think that it sounds like a good deal for them, too. Um, and, and that really has to go beyond, well, you need a job, right? Uh, so lay out for me some of the elements of the employee value proposition. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a huge element, and I'm glad you picked it up, Brian. Um, there's a lot of competition out there for talent, and and I know sometimes it doesn't seem that way because um, it seems a lot people are always looking for a job, so it seems companies have the upper hand. But for top talent, there is a lot of competition. Um, so having a good employee value proposition is really key to attract that talent. Um, and when we talk employee value proposition, we're talking about a unique and clearly defined set of attributes and benefits that can capture an employee's overall work experience. So your current employees, the experience that they're having at work, you want to put that into words and be able to sell your company. So some of the elements that are um, your, the day-to-day -day elements. So what happens in your, your organization, um, learning and development, um, or is there a mentoring program? Um, what's people's actual role in their job? Um, the organizational elements. So what are the cultural values of your company? Uh, what's the social responsibility? That's a, that's a big draw and it was in our uh, tech talent um, trends uh, report as well. A lot of the uh, job um, seekers and candidates want to look for companies that have some sort of social responsibility in their brand, uh, whether that's charity work or, or, or something like that. 
compensation and benefits is huge. Uh, obviously, people need uh, to, to be compensated for the work that they're doing. So salary increases, things like health and wellness programs. Um, and then the last one there is working conditions. So uh, work-life balance comes to mind as a big one for, for people that are looking for um, good companies to work for. And then the, the diversity and inclusion aspect. What is the, what is the company doing from that perspective? So all of those elements together um, would make up your EVP and, and you would want mm -hmm. to highlight those so, um, so that people can understand what your company is about. Yeah, so you, you have all these different elements and you, you sort of outline the story that you want to tell about your company, uh, but you have to live it too, right? And I, I think that there is a risk that um, executives that want to appeal to broadly to candidates could go and, and convince themselves maybe of a certain uh, value proposition for employees that's not really there, but they make it seem like it is uh, in some external communications. But what's the risk if you put out a message that's not really authentic? Yeah, and, and that's a very important it's a very important question um, because you don't want to be false advertising. You don't want to be putting something out there and putting on your site, for example, your website, that the organization fully supports diversity, equity, inclusion, and then they don't. There's nothing behind it to back it up. And so you do need to work on your organizational culture. You do need to look at what are we as an organization actually doing in order to support um, DEI in order to support our, our device employees and to make sure that your talent, your top talents that you've just spent all this time and effort recruiting wants to stick around. Um, recruiting, recruiting top talent is not cheap um, and so you really want to make sure that you are able to retain them and that you're not doing a little bit of a bait and switch and telling them that they're coming into this wonderful organization that's not as great as it should be from a DEI perspective. Okay, I wanna finish here because we've been talking about all of these things that you can do to find the right candidates, attract them, get them into the job process and your uh, blueprint goes into wonderful detail about every step along the way of the hiring process and then also into um, the retention aspect of it too, which we, we don't have time to talk about here today. But one, one thing that I do want to uh, wedge in here, because once you find these candidates and bring them uh, into the, the real consideration process, you have to interview them. And I think that's where there's the most potential for bias to seep in, even unconscious bias. And what advice can you give uh, that sort of, doing the interviews in a way that's friendly to a diverse set of candidates. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there, Brian. It's about bias and, and interviews and assessments are created by human beings um, and human beings have inherent biases. That's just the reality. So in your interview process, you want to mitigate bias as much as possible. Um, and you can do that in a number of ways. Uh, the first one being have a diverse interview panel. That includes underrepresented groups. This not only helps uh, the, from the candidate because the candidate wants to meet diverse people in their potential company. So seeing that is um, makes them comfortable and might make them want to join your company more, as well as um, having those diverse interviewers they may be better suited to identify unique characteristics that would or would not make each candidate a good employee. So if you have that um, diverse sort of panel, you're better able to pick out um, the, the best candidate where other people might, um, they might miss certain things. 
I would also say make it fair, structure the process, ask everyone the same questions and use a consistent set of assessments. So there is some planning involved into having a, a fair interview process um, and, and don't hire simply on quote unquote cultural fit. I, I, I know we've all heard that buzzword um, and the research really shows that minority groups are at a huge disadvantage when, when we're hiring for cultural fit. Um, and I'll leave it with one more. I would avoid co this common bias and mistakes. We have a, a section in the blueprint that shows you a lot of different biases and mistakes to avoid. But I would say the most important one is avoid that like me effect. And what that means is it's an unconscious preference and an unfairly positive evaluation of a candidate based on a shared interest, personality and experience. So it's a difficult one because it's almost natural to gravitate to someone who's like you, but um, you can mitigate that by having um, by having a diverse uh, set of, of interviewees. That's uh, right. Interviewers. Yeah, that's that's important and, uh, make sure that um, the, the panel um, is more sort of representative as much as possible. And sometimes you have to go outside of your uh, you might have to go outside of your executives to include people in that interview panel, right? It's not only the most senior people at your company that um, can help with the hiring process. Yeah, wow. if, and then that's a reality. If you don't have um, diversity and leadership, as many of these companies do, uh, don't, pull in some other uh, employees from different departments and have them part of the, the process, exactly. Excellent. Okay. Well, that was really uh, a great sort of review of uh, part of this blueprint uh, for our listeners. I definitely encourage you to go and download this one. And um, I, you know, if you're working in the IT department, this is for you too. This isn't just something that HR has to worry about in terms of getting a diverse workforce. Uh, IT has to be involved in the hiring process and you should be asking these questions and making sure that when you're bringing in people to your department, that these things are happening. So it's, it's not just uh, one department's job at an organiza organization to go and uh, create this sort of diversity that we're looking for. It, it takes everybody's um, effort in the company. So that's why uh, this blueprint is, is good for our IT professionals and HR professionals alike. Uh, Allison and Ugbad, thanks so much for your time talking to me about this today. Thanks so much, thanks. Brian. Thanks for having us, Brian. And for listeners of Tech Insights, thanks again for tuning in. Remember to subscribe uh, to our show. You can listen to us every week. We come out on Monday morning. And if, if you subscribe, you'll, you'll get every new episode as soon as it's available. So uh, hit that subscribe button on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, really just about anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. You can find us. Uh, thanks again. I'm Brian Jackson.